Hello, welcome everyone. Welcome to Paranormal Roundtable, PRT for short. I'm your host, Josh Turner. They call me Wolf. If you're my friend, you can call me Wolf or call me whatever, as long as it's not a derogatory name. I don't care. And even if it is, I don't really care. You can call me whatever. So tonight we have a show, like always. And my my co-host tonight is Barton Nunley. Barton, you want to say hello? Yeah, hello, everybody. Hello to all the paratroopers out there. Hope you're having a great night. Yeah. And so we, we are on a series of, of recordings that we're doing. We're doing a lot of, I, I wouldn't call them interviews, we, we're doing discussions. I've always done discussions, not interviews. So what we're doing right now, we have somebody very interesting that we've, we've been talking to for a while. I've been on her show, and she's been on the live stream, uh, but now we're going to get into some in-depth stuff in a recording tonight. Before we do that, um, PRT Podcast, uh, Josh Turner at PRTPodcast.com, Josh Turner at PRTPodcast.com. Send me your stories. Send me your stories also to Facebook Messenger if you'd like, but send me a, a, a message on Messenger letting me know that you are a fan of the show before I approve your friend request. That's very important because if you don't, I will not approve it because I don't know you. But anyways, Josh Turner 940 on Instagram, Josh Turner 940 on Instagram, and that's how you can get a hold of me. Uh, through Facebook or Instagram and uh, email address. That being said, I have a group, Paranormal Roundtable group. Go join it. There's tons and tons of content and stories that go on there. We do a live stream every Tuesday on YouTube that is a YouTube exclusive. It's not a podcast. Uh, It is a YouTube exclusive, and we go typically about three hours. And it starts anywhere between 7.30 and 8 every Tuesday on YouTube, Paranormal Roundtable, check us out. And uh, also, I'm going to be doing the the Texas Bigfoot Conference. Um, I'm a sponsor, so please go and check that out at Eventbrite, the Texas Bigfoot Conference. It's going to be in Jefferson, Texas, and there's some pretty cool stuff there. There's a couple of haunted hotels. Barton's going to be there. I'm going to be there. Uh, Our friend Michigan Rob's going to be there. Tex from Tex Front Porch, uh, Jason, they're going to be there. And, of course, uh, Lyle and Ken, they're all going to be there in attendance. And Craig Woolheater, the guy that's putting it on, he's quite a character. I like Craig a lot. He's a good friend of mine. So I agreed to be a sponsor, and I am proud to be able to say that I am. So we're all going to be there. And not only that, but Nellie will be there too, along with Barton's wife, Letitia. And so will Ken's uh, woman and Celine. That's his woman, all right? I'm allowed to say that now. And she wrote a book. Uh, it's called Aperture in the Veil. It's pretty good. And the gentleman that I'm with tonight, he's written some books that are, eh, they're okay. They're okay. I don't know. Um, Mysterious Kentucky, eh, it's all right. In, in humanoids, it's yeah, 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 it's all right. It's actually in my, my number one book. Mysterious Kentucky is in the top three, I guess, four. Uh, you're right up there with Honey the American Werewolf with Linda Godfrey. So I'll tell you, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good company. Oh, wow. Yeah. So right. Yeah. Great company. And so thanks, the, man. I appreciate. Well, that. I mean, you're you're the goat, man. When it comes to writing that that in humanoids and then mysterious those two. Um, now I can't say because I haven't finished mysterious Kentucky two, and I know you're going to jump on me for that. I still have not finished. I don't have time though. Every time I turn around, <laughs> Nick Redfern's writing a new book, <laughs> and I'm like, I can't keep right. up with you and him and David Weatherly, Lyle Blackburn, King Gerhard. Ron Murphy, you know, D.A. Roberts, you guys just – you're prolific just writing just stuff. I can't keep up with it. And Barton, you have, uh, you know, your books, and I just can't even get to them. 
Um, Bigfoot in Kentucky. I haven't read that yet, but I'm told that it's a great book. I just, you know, I just, I'll take your word for it. But I did read in Humanoids and it is my number one. Mysterious Kentucky is my number three. So uh, I, I will tell you this, you, you, you write very well. So if anybody wants to, and he's writing the Spotsville Thank monster you, folks, but you need to, we need to be human cattle prods and push right. this man to finish that book because I know it's going to be good. So that being said, we're going to bring on tonight's guest and, oh, don't forget, uh, Barton, your group in humanoids with Barton Nunley, that game, that book, uh, yeah. that, uh, group is gaining traction. It's got a 3,200 members, I think now, or something like that. You got a lot of members pretty quick. Right. So, yeah. And so that's going on. Um, also remember if you want to buy any of Barton's books, you can go to Amazon, um, and, and, or you can, you can hit me up and I'll, I'll have them send you a copy. Um, if you want it signed, you know, one of us can get it to you. I have a surplus of them too. And, or you can go to the Texas Bookfoot conference and buy one there in person. So that being said, we have our guest, Jessica Jones. Jessica, do you want to say hello? Well, Hey everybody. How are y'all doing? Thank you for having me tonight. We're good. good. Jessica, We're good, how are Jessica. You doing? How are you? That's the audience. Hey, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm great. I'm great. You know, I was actually just thumbing through Mysterious Kentucky by Barton Nunnally. Right here, I have his oh, book. Wow. And uh, in Barton, there's actually uh, a couple of different cryptids or in, in humanoid. Okay. Human, humanoids. Jessica. Okay. That are in this book uh, that I've remote viewed, including. Um, of course, the beasts of LBL, but the Kentucky goblins, okay, are in here. And I, I forgot right. to tell you guys, I've remote viewed the Kentucky goblins before. So, well, that's I a love good starting it. point. Why don't we start with yeah. that? Yeah. 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 Well, you know what? I, I didn't bring my folder for that over here where I'm sitting tonight, but I did, um, I did remote view the Kentucky goblins. And that was a super cool case. And uh, for your listeners who aren't familiar with remote viewing, and who I am, I'm actually, okay, I'm, a, I'm a, actually a Bigfoot field researcher based out of Georgia. Um, I've been doing paranormal and Bigfoot field research for about 12 years now. Um, honestly, I, I didn't go public with it until last year. Uh, and that's for a good reason, because people would think I was crazy. Okay. And, uh, and so I no. didn't go public with it. Yeah, you know, you know how it goes. Uh, but the minute that I went public with it, I, I spoke at a conference last year called Camp Disclosure, and I pretty much immediately got a, a radio show and some shows on the internet and stuff. And uh, and now I'm the weekend host at Spaced Out Radio, uh, and so <laughs> so I'm I'm kind of out there with what I do now. But uh, part of part of what with what I do is I have a remote viewing show with Texas Front Porch with some of the guys you mentioned that are going to the Jefferson Bigfoot Conference, Tex and Bigfoot Michigan Rob and Jason McLean. They're going to be there, and I do shows with them with Texas Front Porch. Well, I I look into um, paranormal attacks and and super high strangeness on my remote viewing show, and that's kind of what I do with my team. Um, I'm a member of three different. Bigfoot paranormal research teams here in Georgia uh, called Enigma Research Group, uh, the North Georgia Cryptid Researchers, and Anomalous Studies and Observation Group. And Enigma Research Group, uh, I've been a part of that group for quite a while, and we're all trained in remote viewing. So um, with the remote viewing, we, we were all taught remote viewing because we were having supernatural experiences out in the field when we were looking for Bigfoot. 
and experiencing Bigfoot, we were having UFOs flying over our heads and portals opening up right in front of us, which my team has actually documented portals in the field and um, in, in ET contact. A lot of surprise, Jessica. Yeah, right? It's, it's, it's right. honestly, yeah, it's all kind of connected, okay, <clears throat> For in my experience. But um, but anyways, yeah, we were um, we the head of my team is an amazing one one of the top remote viewers in the world, in my opinion. And so he taught our entire team remote viewing, and it's we've been training for years on 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 end. And uh, and so that's what I do. I do it for fun, but we remote view things that happen to us in the field. And let me tell you. It is such an amazing resource, an amazing tool to have in your tool belt when you're doing paranormal field research to be able to kind of psychically tap into things that are happening to you and that have happened in the past. And, 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 and even when we're like scouting out an area to go research for our, our field research, it's pretty amazing to be able to do that. But I, I, I took it a step further and started doing kind of a, an in-depth show on um, remote viewing weird stuff. Okay. <laughs> so um, I, I, I don't know a whole a lot of other people doing this, but, um, but I did, uh, Barton, I looked into the Kentucky Goblins a while back. And I think before I did that, I looked into the, the attack at the LBL of the family that was allegedly killed there by a, a dog man. I looked into it. You know, we uh, we've talked about this before, not not on this show in particularly, but um, but yeah, the the Kentucky. We'll talk about the Kentucky Goblins. How about that? That's an interesting case, you guys. Yeah, that's a very interesting case. I haven't gotten to that in your book yet, Barton. Okay, but I did see it in there. there. It's in there, and and that is that is the one of the more famous occurrences like paranormal occurrences in kentucky that i right. know of, One of the other most th- well documented uh, ufo yeah. cases in history so within it 24 is. hours there were just dozens and dozens of people there at kelly there in hopkinsville christian county so, absolutely yeah. yeah and you know you you probably know a lot more about it than i do but i can i can tell you kind of the gist of what my data came up with was you know there was a there were two or three families that were staying in this one home uh, overnight, right. and uh, and and one of the gentlemen, someone that was at this home, walked outside with a, a bucket. He was going to go to the well, I believe, and to get some water. And uh, and there were a bunch of kids back home in the house. And he walked out and he saw a big, it was like a craft that like flew over the sky, and it had uh, I believe he said like a rainbow exhaust behind it. And, uh, and it landed kind of behind the tree line. And let's just say that's what started a night of terror for a, a couple of families that were in a home uh, out, out in the country, out in the middle of nowhere. And, um, and what, what I remote viewed of this whole incident was, yes, it, it, was a, it was a bunch of what we would consider to be aliens. And, uh, and yeah, they were, they were very curious and the creepiest part that I picked up on was they were actually more interested in the children that were in that home. They were actually kind of looking at the children. And, uh, and this family fought, fought these 
aliens, which they called the goblins, they look like goblins. They fought them off all night and they, sh- and, and the men of the house, you know, took it upon themselves to shoot at these things. I mean, they, they were surrounding the whole home. They were on top of the house. They were all around it. And it was terrifying. <laughs> okay. Terrifying. But yeah, they were actually aliens. Um, that came out of a craft that, that um, came from the sky. Uh, now, the the relationship, like the interest they had in the children, it wasn't, I didn't pick up so much that it was to hurt the children. If you look historically through time, a lot of times there are mass sightings of UFOs, okay, and ETs, and a lot of times they're in schoolyards. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but down in oh, yeah. Africa and in different places across the globe, a lot of times when there's a mass UFO sighting, um, it has to do with children in schoolyards. Okay. And so that's kind of the vibe that I was picking up. Um, I didn't realize how many children, I think they said there were seven children in the house. Right. Now, and you have to realize too, Jessica, these the alien quote unquote invaders, they were only like three foot tall. So they, they were, were diminutive as well. So, yeah. yeah. So that, that makes sense. Like they, they, maybe they felt like they could relate to the children more and, you know, children are so innocent and they have such open minds. Um, they're not the ones with the guns. Okay. So maybe, maybe it was, maybe it was that kind of a situation, but they were very interested in the children, uh, in communicating with those children. But of course, just like any good parents and any good men would do, they, they were um, trying to fend off these goblins to keep them away from the kids. Cause I, you know, you don't know that they're in the intentions of these goblins. Um, if they were trying to kidnap these kids or whatever, they didn't know what was going on. These men and the women, they did, they did not understand what was going on. They just knew there was a threat. Understandably. But, um, but yeah, but that's what I picked up when I, when I did remote view the Kentucky goblins, they were alien life forms, um, from a different planet. And yes, they, they were interested in the children. Who were also, I might add, immune to shotgun fire. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because I believe, well, I've, I've actually talked to, my friend Barry Littleton comes on a lot of my shows and he's pretty knowledgeable. He's, he's a lifetime experiencer and abductee and uh, has a lot of memories of being in crafts with ETs and things like that. And, uh, and he, he made the point of alien life forms and, and things that come from other planets, not being in what it, I think he calls it corporeal life form. Like, um, Corporeal, which is like your body. When, they came, when yes, when they came into our density, okay, into the three D, the third density, they took on the form of something that was kind of weird, right? Like a little goblin, <laughs> and uh, and yet they, but they they were able to withstand bullets and things like that. So I don't know. That's where it gets kind of weird because it's like interdimensional versus you know non corporeal and. I don't know. It's all very strange. It's all very strange. And if they come from other places, one of the arguments is that they're not really from other planets. But what what I say is they they, they very much can and very much are from other planes of existence that that can be another planet, but they don't don't have to fly 
their craft over light years to get here, they go through wormholes. Uh, wormholes. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Spa- and, and, and that's that, just in the portal in space is what it is. That's right. Mm-hmm. And a lot, and most of my targets, okay, like I, I don't think I've ever come across anything that did not come here through a wormhole. <laughs> okay. Um, a lot, a lot of these, um, interplanetary, if you want to call it, or interdimensional beings, they all come through wormholes, all of them, everything. Wow. Even Bigfoot, Jessica? Sometimes. Yes. They do. Yes, they do. They do. Uh, A lot of, a lot of what we consider cryptids or inhumanoids. Okay. uh, They do come through portals. um, And whether that be, um, you know, interdimensional or whatever. It, a lot of it is, it's wormholes. Yeah. And, and let, let me explain something else too. Um, I'm not going to explain it. What am I talking about? Okay. I'm going <laughs> to throw, I'm over here like, let me explain something here. No, let me tell you something. No, what, what's going on is that, that now talking to another researcher, you guys probably know who this is. I don't I mean, that's anyway, she explains it like there are wormholes stargates portals and vortexes and they're all slightly different is that correct jessica most likely i think they're all a little bit different mm-hmm. i mean um, i have not i've not looked into it too much but yeah portals vortexes and i i think it, it they're they're all a little bit different yes now do i know the exact definition of each no <laughs> i yeah. do not but, um, you know, I, there, there's no exact answer to any of these questions, to be honest with you. Um, if there's a question about where they come from, the more, the more that I look into it and the more that I study it, the less I know, to be honest with you. Um, so I, I'm not a scientist. I am merely an experiencer and a researcher. Because so The way I was explained to like a, the difference between like I was told I had a vortex in my old house. And it, 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 the words are very interchangeable, I, I, you know, but I wouldn't describe it as a wormhole, wormhole being something that's like in space, um, Stargate being like the, the, the entrance or exit from their density into our, into our world. Um, like they can enter our atmosphere through a wormhole, but like they can actually walk through and be in our world, like absolutely foot, feet on the ground. And they take on their physical body through the Stargate, not necessarily the wormhole. The wormhole just gets them from where they're from to our to within striking distance of our plane of existence. And then the vortex is 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 strictly for spiritual travel. From one uh, spirit, a spirit being goes from you know one place to another, and there is no physicality involved. It's vortex is just spirit travel. And so that's where you would get like, you know, orbs or what, whatever, like, you know, something that's completely spiritual. And now a vortex can be like just a, like a super highway of spirits, you know, and then a portal being like something that's just kind of in a random place, um, typically can be, you know, anywhere where there's, you know, high strangeness, you'll find a portal where these beings and they're using them here on earth it goes from one part of the earth to the other the portal uh but but it's like from another dimension if that makes sense because there are 11 known dimensions that we that we in the, according to the theories so the these are interdimensional portals that just go from one part of the planet to the other 
Um, so that like, right, the, like yeah. a direct doorway or window mm-hmm. into another dimension, and you don't need you know any kind of craft or anything like that to travel through it. You just step through it. Yeah, and portal yeah, can then, be like you can be in Montana, walk through the portal, and you're in Tucson, Arizona. That that's the way I was just it was explained to, and, and I kind of see that too when I've traveled, kind of like not I don't want to say like traveled like I don't remote view like you do, Jessica, but. If you travel through the and if you've been on the astral plane and you've seen it, you can see these like sort circular looking swirls, which I can only describe as either vortexes or portals. But the portals look a little different, um, and, and the portals are for a creature from that density. They can go through a portal and and become a um, flesh and blood being. But te- those are technically like a Stargate portal, and then there's portals that just transport you from one part of the world to the other. That's the way I understand it. Now, I could be wrong. That is also partly my own take on it, but that's what I've had other people tell me, psychics, and you know, I had a Buddhist monk tell me that. It was a shaman, and I've just had yeah. different people who've, who've explained it to me in that way. So I don't know. What is your take on that, Jessica? Okay. Well, I I don't know if I've talked to you guys about this before, but my team has actually documented a portal before. We we have it on video um, of a portal opening up in the field. We we research an area here in the south. We call it the meadow. Okay, it's an undisclosed location, of course, but um, but you know, there was a weekend where we were all out at the meadow, and this is a place we've been researching for a long time. So my team, we go out in the meadow and uh, and we're dispersed. The whole team's dispersed out into different areas of the meadow and something shows up in the middle of an open field in the middle, middle of the night. Uh, some of the guys uh, were in, in ladies, uh, my friend Kristen, uh, they picked up a, a, a cube that showed up in the FLIR. OK, in their FLIR, you couldn't see it with your naked eye. And uh and so it was really odd, and uh, it had a, a weird heat signature. It was actually really cold when they first saw it, and it was just a big, gigantic square in the middle of an open field. And so some of the guys were sent over to check it out, and as two of the men walked over to it and were guided over to it, their heat signatures completely disappeared off the map. And both of them described what happened as the the vegetation changed on the ground. They couldn't see the stars anymore. And these are both, one of them is special forces military, army guy. And and the other guy is a former Navy guy and a search and rescue. And he's actually was the head of Region 5 North American Dog Man Project for a long time. Bob, grumpy. And uh, but they they had walked into this thing not knowing they had walked into it, and uh, and the entire environment changed. And as they walked out of it, they realized there was something off. They walked out of it, and um, and the entire cube shrunk down to a smaller size, and it moved, and then it disappeared. Okay, uh, all the while we're have they're having a whole bunch of other paranormal weird stuff going on out there. Um, however, that was what the team considered to be. A portal, okay? Um, For lack of a better term, we couldn't figure out what it was other than perhaps a portal opening up, okay? So when we're talking about portals, that's kind of interesting because like, what is a portal? Has anybody ever seen anyone walk out and walk into one? Well, my team has actually. 
Um, now, had they not walked out when they did, would they be here today? You know, um, actually, both of them did get severe health problems after they walked into that portal. Uh, one of them did pass away. And uh, wow. And one of them uh, has a, a, a pretty aggressive form of cancer, and he's actually sick today. Uh, and the other one, he got a horrible heart condition, and uh, and he passed away uh, about a, about two years ago. So That's interesting because yeah, it's one of my theories that these inhumanoid creatures are radioactive. Yeah, you know what, because Martin? I believe that I believe they could be. Right. The animals that they leave behind and they don't eat, um, like the ones in Spotsville in 1975, they killed all kinds of animals. Not even a fly would land on them. So no scavenger would touch them. So they just laid there for months and months and months, you know. Interesting. So, yeah. Well, both of them got um, terrible health problems after that. And now, now, are we saying that it was because of the portal? No, we don't know. We don't know for sure, but we do carry Geiger counters, Geiger meters, and uh, and there was a radiation spike uh, when that happened. It wasn't huge. It wasn't like a gigantic radiation spike, but it was a radiation spike. However, we have radiation spikes a lot of times when there is paranormal activity, even in base camp. You know, uh, orbs that show up. We have we have radiation spikes. Um, Pretty much anything that happens out in the field, we have a radiation spike. And it might be very tiny and very minute, but we have one. Um, and so we can't we can't completely say that's why each of them got sick, but we have our suspicions. Right, it's very so, interesting. Yeah. Um, but but that was that's what we consider a portal. And uh, but can we say for sure that was a portal? No, but I, we think it was, and we did remote view it. Uh, that is kind of you know a lot of the things with my team remote views is private, so we don't really talk about a lot of this. But I can say that I have my this is my personal opinion. I have my suspicions that that is not natural. It, it has something to do with perhaps. I, I can't say that these are not government programs, you know, uh, these portals, the, the missing people out of our national parks. Um, I have my suspicions. That's interesting. That's yeah. Do you think that these creatures, that they're actually uh, ethereal and then when they come into our world, they take on a physical form or, I mean, what are you, what are your <sighs> thoughts? I, you know, I've, I've thought that before. Yeah, I, I've thought that that is a possibility. But after experiencing the portal, uh, I think that just anything, just solid human form or animal form, whatever, can come and go. I mean, in the same meadow, we've actually found tire tracks that appear or seem to just disappear out of nowhere. So are, are vehicles going through these portals as well? As well? Um, there were they you know you can you know i'm a tracker like i've been trained in, in tracking human tracking animal tracking um you know when you're when you're looking at tire tracks and this is not a place that you can easily get to by a vehicle and uh not at all actually we have to hike in it takes a while to hike into this place and uh there were tire tracks that just poof <laughs> it's almost like there was a car that came in and it just it came and it went and it just disappeared out of thin air okay so did it go into one of these portals 
it was right around the area where the portal was. So who knows? Um, I, I don't know. I think that, that humans, animals, cryptids and humanoids, vehicles, anything solid can probably walk up to one of these portals and go in. And I don't know where they go. I, I am not sure. We have not stayed long enough. No one on my team has stayed long enough to know where they go. We do have a protocol, though. Like, my team has actually had to come up with a protocol in case we do encounter another portal. And if you you guys, have you walked through one of these portals? I mean, I mean, like, not you walked through them, but, I mean, you guys have seen someone walk through these portals or something? Two people, two men. They walked into them, and, yes, they both got severe health conditions after that. Yes. And, and But, I mean, like, did they... I guess I should say those are the people from your team, though, right? Yes. Okay. D- did okay. Let me let me rephrase the question. Have you seen anybody other than like like them, like somebody you don't know, or like uh, some some sort of inhumanoid or anything like that? Not through the portal. No. Oh, okay. No, we we have it documented. We have that documented on film with them going in it and then coming back out. Um, Now we have had instances out in the field in other areas, not at the meadow, but in other places that we research uh, where team, a team member, one of the same guys actually who walked into that portal had walked into another portal in another area that we researched. And he's, he was, he's the one who passed away. Um, But he was a, a special forces army ranger. Uh, very knowledgeable of the woods and um, of his surroundings and situational awareness. And, uh, and, and he was, he described it as being very similar to what he experienced in the meadow when he walked into this other, what we call a portal, because we just don't know what else to call it. But, but we have not experienced any other people walking through them or out of them. Uh, we have had instances where we've had, uh, I guess you could call it Bigfoot activity in our base camp. And uh, and I've had some of my, my teammates on my shows that I've done over the, the past year. And they describe uh, hearing footsteps and seeing a bipedal figure. And, uh, and a flash of light happens. And then there's nothing. Okay. And so was that a, a portal opening? Perhaps. We don't know. Um but the footsteps stopped and there was no more noise. It was like it disappeared out of thin air. I think that uh, a, a lot of these things can be explained if people would just understand the nature of our reality and they, they just don't want to accept it. And there's this whole camp that that's just – it's an uphill battle trying to make them, uh, you know, see what we see and see the truth. When you guys experienced right. this portal, what what did you guys? I mean, what did it look like? Describe it again. Well, it was it was it was it was totally uh, unseeable. Okay, you couldn't see it with your naked eye. It was only um, able to be seen through the FLIR. Okay, thermal imaging, and uh, and it looked like just a, a gigantic cube. It was about the size of like a man shed, uh, like a shed in your backyard, and it, it, it looked distinctively like a, a, a square cube and it had look at a door on the front of it and it had two crosses on the inside of it which were very odd like cr- straight up crosses yeah like christian crosses oh my gosh and wow. uh yeah and that that's what they saw like it now this hasn't been released to the public yet 
Um, I, but my, my, the head of my team, Trey Hudson, he's written a book called the Meadow Project Explorations into the South Skinwalker Ranch. And, uh, and that's my team's research. And there are pictures of that in his book. And, uh, and he speaks at conferences all over the, the country. And, uh, and he does show uh, still shots and perhaps even some video from that when he's there. But, um, but yeah, it's, it hasn't been released widely yet, you know, um, to the general public, but it, it might be coming wow, yeah. soon. When, yeah. when, when your team members, YouTube. oh, go ahead, Burn. I was just going to say, you should put it on YouTube. Yeah, if you want to tell a lot of people, show a lot of people, you know, and that's yeah. what we're trying to do. That we're trying to yeah. get the truth out there. And that the problem is everyone thinks they know what reality is, but all yeah. they know is what they've been taught by people, yes. you know, with an agenda. I don't want to say it's wrong, but they have an agenda or the people who taught them have the agenda. So we're trying to get the truth out there. And that's basically what me and Wolf are trying to do on a large scale. Hopefully, you know, it, we're, we're doing it and it's working a little bit. Because 30 years ago, or even 10, if you said anything about a portal, you'd be ridiculed, you know, just yeah, um, the mercilessly, right? And if you said anything about Bigfoot being able to cloak, oh, well, you're, you're a oh, nut. Yeah. And, well, you, you know, guys... people have read the Inhumanoids and said, actually said it, I'm certifiably insane. <laughs> so, well, that's why I did. the stigma. That goes along with this stuff and rewrite the narrative into something truthful and not uh, false. Absolutely. And, you know, that's why I didn't go public for at least 10 years after doing all this research out in the field. I wasn't comfortable being public about it because I knew that I was being made fun of by people. I mean, even the people closest to me made fun of me. They still make fun of me, I'm sure. (laughs) But you know what? Here's the difference. I don't care anymore. (laughs) So um, that's why I I, I am public about my my research. Now, there are still some things, you know, I, I am part of a team where we, the remote viewing team, we really don't talk a lot. We're very private. Okay, about a lot of our research that we do. Um, but my other two teams, yes, we they're vocal. And so that's why I'm able to talk about what we do out there. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm on the boat with you. You know, I, I, I think it's time for whatever reason I've been called to speak out about what I do. Um, I, I wasn't ready. The past 10 years, you know, 12, it's been 12 years and uh, the first 10 years, I, it, it wasn't time. And for whatever reason, I've been called to talk about it, just like you guys have. What do you think that, uh, okay, like going back to this portal thing, it's really interesting to me. So the the two guys, they walked through it? Yes, they walked inside of it, Mm -hmm. apparently. Yeah. They they just walked over to it. They didn't know what they were walking over to. They had no idea, but they were game to go check it out. You know, uh, they scouted it out. And, uh, and there were people, there were three, three people, um, David and, um, Kristen and, oh, and Rock Hill Bigfoot. Uh, okay. So anyways, they were Terry. Okay. They actually were seeing it through their thermals and their FLIR. And they were like, what the heck is this thing? David, Dave, my, my friend, David Pardue, you guys might know him. He's from uh, up in North Carolina. And uh, he's a he's a well-known Bigfoot researcher up there. Pardue saw it first. 
And, uh, and he was looking through his FLIR and was like, God, there, there, this is weird. There's something gigantic and square. It looks like a cube. This is in an open field out in, this is in the middle of the woods, but we we research an open field, uh, in the whole area, but there's so much high strangeness, you guys, it is off the charts out there. And, uh, and he saw it and he thought he was seeing things. So he handed his, um, little monocular over to Terry and was like, Hey, Terry, do you see what I'm seeing? And as Terry's looking at it and seeing it, uh, and Terry's from Rock Hill, Bigfoot in South Carolina. Um, he, he, he's been on my show, by the way, uh, my, my old show. And he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing this too. He's like, it's a big square. And so while they're looking at it, Kristen, who, who's a, my other teammate, she's actually a part of Texas front porch. Now, Kristen grabbed her flare and started recording. She pointed it that way and had the wherewithal to start recording. And um, they sent, they, they radio, radioed over to Bob and to Tim and they, they said, hey, you know, go, go check this, this thing out. We don't know what this is. And so they, they hiked over to it and, um, and got to it and walked up to it. They didn't see anything, but they were guided into it. And when they got to it, they disappeared. But, but what, where, where did they go? Well, they just were standing there. They were just standing there in the same place. They, they, what they said was the environment changed. Okay, the entire environment changed. The vegetation on the ground went from brushy, briary, and thick and, and grassy to smooth. In uh, both, okay, Tim and Bob are both trained. They're trained remote viewers as well. Okay, and so we're we're trained not to label things, but we are very. Uh, we're very trained in, in picking up our sensory data. Okay. And so the, it went from vegetative to smooth. And, uh, and, and they said they could not see the stars anymore. Like the stars disappeared and it was a clear night. And, uh, and it was just, uh, it, it was a complete different environment. Like when, when you say smooth, was it like the grass was smooth or? Yes. There was no grass. It was just a flat surface on the inside. Oh, there was no grass. There was no. There was no grass. Nothing. It natural. went from vegetative to nothing. Yes. It was just like a flat, like like a matrix. Yes, it was. It was a matrix. It was like the the program changed. <laughs> they went into a new program. And I've wondered about that theory a lot because I think that we are living in a in a matrix type simulation, possibly that that you know has ins and outs and there is some sort of master key to it. You know what I mean? Um, and and I, I just, I wonder that all the time if that's what we're dealing with, you know, and just some people are able, or some beings, entities, people, whatever, they're able to manipulate and, and, and they understand. It's like playing a video game. There are people who are very good at it and understand it. And then there's noobs, people who are just not, you know, and then there's those players that are just casual gamers that don't really they're not finding all the hidden whatever, you know, it's just, it seems very much like that. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm not a gamer now, but I used to be, you know, a long time ago. And I just thought, I just, I think of things like, that's weird. That's kind of like how it is. You know, it's like, you're just looking at a different, uh, reality, but you're still in this reality. You know what I mean? Because they, 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 it's like a doorway from another, from one reality to the next. And the, but they never did go through it though, right? Like all the way through it. They did. They, so they went, I think what you're asking: Did they turn around and come back out, or did they go all the way? They keep going forward until they come out of it. 
Yeah. No, they they turned around immediately. And they're yeah. they're both they're they're both trained in the military. They knew there was something wrong. And so they turned around and they're both, I guess they're both trained in remote viewing and situational awareness. And uh and so they turned around and, and walked out. They were in there for about a minute. But it was long enough for them to get sick. Mm-hmm. Some of the portals that I've that have been reported to me have been circular, swirling, blurry, um, all kinds of different stuff. But I've never heard of one square like that. Why do you think that is? Well, it was very well defined, and it it was the the shape of a cube. And uh, it, it's interesting. I've actually really done a lot of research into this, and and done a couple of shows about it actually. I brought my friend Barry Littleton on to talk about this because, um, you know, he I, I was watching a lecture he gave at Camp Disclosure last year where he and I were both speakers and I just met him. And he was showing uh, these pictures of crafts like UFOs that he had been on over the years. And they had black cubes in them. And, and what I we consider this thing to be was like a black cube. Okay. And so he was showing these pictures on crafts of black cubes and it was almost like a teleportation device. Okay. And so it's, um, I, I'm not sure if that's how they were abducting people or what, but it was a power source and a generator and, uh, and a tele and, and a teleportation device. So, you know, that that's the only kind of explanation that I might have right now for why it was uh, a cube. You know, it's it's been seen all over the planet. I mean, honestly, if you think about it, the entire world has different sects that worship the black cube. You know, it's the black cube of Saturn. I mean, think about it. Is that a is that a Stargate? Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, I've taken reports of those black cubes, UFOs. And you have to remember, Josh, that. Up to my knowledge, this is the first time I've ever heard of anyone viewing a portal through a FLIR. So I know all the, the reports that I have of portals, they were just pretty much invisible to the naked eye, but it looked like heat waves rising up off a hot summer highway, you know. But it's the first time I've ever heard of anyone looking at one through a FLIR. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. It is strange. That's a, it, I've never heard of it either. Maybe they all look like that, right? Maybe they all look like that. Yes. We don't know. Yes, I, b- I believe they they could. You know, we we've spent so much time out in this meadow. Uh, you know, in other places, we we suspect we've encountered portals as well, but we we weren't there to document it. And uh, and my friend Kristen, my my teammate, she had enough wherewithal to grab her her FLIR and start recording. As uh, the other guys were, were looking at it, and they sent Bob and Tim into it, and uh, we have it documented, but um, I, I've never heard of anyone else documenting it. Now, if had we not been in that place researching for as long as we have and just happened to be there at the right moment, the right time, we probably would have ne- we would have never gotten that documented. Um, it was It was right. almost like it was meant to be. Uh, to, Can't wait to, to see that, Jessica. Yeah, so absolutely. Definitely let us know where we can go and see that and let, let the uh, audience know. For sure. See that village. It's not publicly available. It's not public yet, but I, I, I suspect it will be in the future. So so some of these these spacecraft, they, they, they appear to be triangular, 
Um, and then some of them appear to be black, like cubes, like you said, uh, Barton. Uh, what is the significance of that? I mean, that that's, I mean, what is that? I mean, is that a flying portal or is that just, I mean, what does that mean? Well, that's a good question. I don't know. All I can do is take the report and, you know, as it's described to me and wonder that myself, Wolf. So, <laughs> you know, it's well, the first time I've ever heard of it being square, but like I say, they might all look like that, and Jessica and her team might be the only ones who's ever viewed one through a FLIR. So, yeah, I've definitely never don't know anything at the moment. Yeah, <clears throat> well, well, you gotta wonder, like, why do certain cultures worship the black cube? You know, maybe, and I'm not saying this was a black cube. It did show it showed it white and and black in the in the in the FLIR because it changed temperatures. Okay, so I call it a black cube because that's what I saw when I was reviewing the video of it. Okay, but it was it actually it started off being white. Um, it was just the temperature change. Okay, so um, but but it was a cube, and we've called it the black cube. And there are cultures that do worship the black cube all over the world. You know, yeah, and so. Uh, I just recommend looking into that. You know, if anybody's interested in looking at that, I don't know the answers to this. I, I have no idea. I can only tell you what we've experienced. Right. We're definitely getting some good information uh, in the last couple of weeks, Josh. And we've got some really good, really good information from, from a lot of different people. They're all really pointing to the same thing. And I don't know how you can ignore it, you know. The one thing I can tell you, though, is I know that there is a thing called, uh, I think it's called Tefillin. I don't know if anybody's heard of that, but it's it's a Hebrew, it's is it's from Israel. And the Ashkenazi, uh, I think it's, they, they pronounce it Tiflin. It's like, uh, they wear like this black cube on their heads whenever they do the prayers. And what they do is they, they it's like a black, like box um, and they, they put prayers from the Torah in there. And then and when they move up and down and they, and they, they wear it on top of their heads. Um, yeah. and I know that there's, it's also part of the, the Talmudic tradition too. Um, and it's worn on the head and it's like a black cube, but it's not, it's not just like a box. I think it's like a little box and I'd, I'd have to. It's a tiny box. Yeah. It's like it a is. tiny box <laughs> with a like another one. little thing underneath it or something. Yeah, and they wear it on their heads, and so it's really weird. And then you have in Islam, you have this uh, mm -hmm. black, uh, the black cube. Yeah, it, they they circle around. They circle they do, around. Yeah, yeah, they walk around it, and so it almost looks like if you look from a, an aerial vantage point, it looks like uh, ants circling around something, you know. Um, but it's that energy going around it, you know. I, I I don't know what it means, but there's meaning behind it. Yeah, it's a very weird thing, and like I said, don't quote me on that 100%. You'd have to look it up yourself and and and, and figure that out, like what that is or why that is. Um, I believe that the black cube in Islam – oh, God, I'm going to have to get up and actually look this one up because I don't want to get it wrong. Oh, boy, you're going to make me use my computer. <laughs> Y'all going to make me lose my mind up in here. Let's see. Here we go. All right, let's see. Because if I'm, if I'm correct, the black cube in Islam – is in Mecca, and I think that there's a black Mecca. there's a black stone or something that fell from Earth or, or, or fell to Earth. That's what I believe. That's what they say. Okay, let me let me let me look it up here. Uh, 
Where is this? Okay, located in the eastern corner of the Kaaba is the Blackstone. Okay, I was right. Blackstone of Mecca, whose now broken pieces are surrounded by a, a ring of stone and held together by heavy silver band. According to tradition, this stone was given to Adam on upon his expulsion from paradise in order to main, obtain forgiveness of his sins. Now, isn't that related to the black cube of Saturn? Now, am, am I... Am I making that up in my head? <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't. I don't think so because I think that there is. Um, now, I, I, when I was on your show, Jessica, which by the time this plays will will have been weeks ago, probably. But um, w I remember we 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 got into CERN, and what yes. CERN is is actually Saturna, you know, and then set set the and then Saturn, who is you know basically uh, the bad guy. Yes. Yeah, the black cube of Saturn. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've made connections with this black cube to what my team experienced out in the field ever since that happened. I I don't know I don't know the relationship, but I just feel like there's some sort of connection. Yeah, it's it's really weird. Um if you look up black cube of Saturn, you just get like a bunch of different different stuff. It doesn't look like there's any kind of uh doesn't look like there's any kind of I don't know. There's uh what I'm getting is uh black cube of Saturn. Much of the symbolism in use today can be traced back to Saturn worship through Freemasonry and astrotheology. Or yeah, whatever that's worth. Sa Saturn, if I remember correctly, in, in the Roman tradition, he was um he was kind of like the opposite of Jupiter. Um and I remember him him being like he was the god of time and i just can't remember what else he you know they, it was wealth and abundance but but you know that that coincides with mammon uh mammon is also a demon right. who you know yeah and and who yeah. was the god of wealth and i know that the, the romans practiced the saturnalia which was the upside uh -huh. down everything was turned upside down and it happened like in the middle of december i think it happened uh, at the beginning of winter, like it's, I think the beginning of winter is like what in the mid, it's like December 22nd, 23rd, something yeah. like that. So it was like the, it was the, it was the, it was the winter uh, equinox or the winter solstice. Um, Ooh, so, and think uh, about the Stranger Things show where they have the upside down world. It's like another, another dimension, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And then, and, and yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they, and then they're yeah. celebrating. And I know this for a fact because I studied Roman history. The Saturnalia was the day, one day of the year, and, and they had to strictly adhere to this. I mean, this was like a, a belief. Um, you can look this up. Now, the Saturnalia was a, was a holiday celebrated in December, and it was one day where the slaves were the masters and the masters were the slaves, and they had to actually do that. Now, And if they didn't do it and they didn't follow it correctly, then their harvests would fail um, they could lose their wealth. Um, it was like because Saturn was the god of disillusion, you know, but he was also the god of abundance and wealth and things like that. And and but he was also a the the god of liberation, which is one of the things that the devil actually presents himself as this libertine liberator, whatever. Do what thou wilt, and and so uh -huh. they would they would do it would be the opposite day, and they would do you know everything <laughs> right. opposite, yeah. 
So you would be turning everything upside down. You what was good was bad, and what bad was good. So the slaves were would be running the show for the day, and the masters had to adhere to that and actually serve the slaves. So it was the one day of the year where the slaves got to be like live like their masters. And it is weird, the upside down, you know, opposite day type thing. I mean, know, I feel like every every day that we live right now is kind of upside down. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you we guys have noticed that. We are stuck in opposite day. <laughs> we, are, we are stuck in upside down world right now. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Right, uh, right is wrong and wrong is right. Yeah. Well, and it says that in the Revelations that in the end, what you know, everything that's good is going to be bad and bad is going to be good. It's going to be called the opposite, you know. And, and you notice that in, in every, everybody that's exalted and put up on a, on a pedestal, whether it be through the music industry or through uh, television, you know, like, like I've said before, they, when they get up there and they thank God for their award, I had a, an ex-girlfriend who's just, she was just silly. She's sitting there watching it and she's like, oh, she's such, I'm not going to say the name of the woman that was an actress, but I don't want to say her name because I don't want to get sued or something, but she said that, you know, she was like, I just want to thank God for this. And I'm going like, you are not, you cannot be serious. You're thanking God. God not, does not, not tell not you to God go up there. Worship. Not the God that I serve. <laughs> right. He's not telling you to go up there and Good take your God. clothes off and gyrate around and then make horrible movies. You know, um, <laughs> right. it, it was basically just, let's just put it this way. This woman's an actress. Uh, she, she, she was well known in her, in her heyday. She's not so much anymore. She's just, finally gotten old enough now to where even the adrenochrome was not helping her. But, um, so she, you know, you, she, you look at her and, and, and so this ex-girlfriend of mine, she was like, why do you have a problem with her? I said, do you really think that she's thanking God? She just did. I said, okay, a Satanist can get up there and say, I'd like to thank God. Do you know who their God is? It's not the God that you worship. They're worshiping Moloch or Baphomet or whatever, you know. I said they they're worshiping the god of this world, which is money and power, and 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 the, 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 his glory comes from their energy. I said that's Satan. where it's Satan, you know. And she goes, "That's ridiculous," and I'm like, "No, you're ridiculous because you can't see it." And that's why I'm not with that person anymore. That's real life. Yeah, and now I'm right. with somebody who totally gets it and knows that when they get up there and they wave their. Emmy slash award academy, whatever they are, I don't even know what they're called. The, what is the, what is the one? The, 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 the Golden Globes gold, Academy the globe of gold. Awards and yeah, the the Grammy yeah. Oscar. There's all these different yeah. awards. They're always giving each other awards, pat each other on the back. The Golden Globes. Yeah, Golden right. Calf, whatever. So they get up there and they and they wave it around and they're like, oh, this is what you know. They really should just be you know handing out the black cube. <laughs> just well, there. they should. Yes, they should. <laughs> Yes, the black cubes of Saturn. Of mm, Saturn, I mean, Saturn <laughs> is associated with Satan, right? Yeah, so. Satan, Saturna, uh, and then CERN. You know, Cerna. I mean, and and of course the the Gauls had had CERN. You know, CERN and Saturna, and then there's Saturn, and then there's it's all the same Satan. It's the same name, just different ways of saying it. And and one of the things that that, that comes up over and over again, you know, is is CERN. You know, and we have talked about CERN, and CERN definitely could be, and what me and Barton have talked about, you know, is the abyss. You know, Abaddon. Yeah. They opened up the abyss. Um, which they seal died. was that, Barton? Do you know? Uh, I think it's the either the sixth or the seventh seal mm-hmm. judgment. Yeah. So yeah. Oh wow. Right now, I think we're in the sixth 
so and he gives the the the, the angel riding a pale horse, which is death, the power to uh, kill one uh, or a quarter, a quarter of, the of the population. Yeah, by war, famine, <laughs> and the beasts of the earth. The beasts of the earth. See that's and that's what concern. Yep. Con, that's what concerns me right there. <laughs> Um, right. Yeah. And it's not just one CERN, you guys. There's there's multiple right. large hydrogen colliders all over the world. Yes. We have two here in the South that I know of for sure. I'm going to say for sure. I'm uh, it's hearsay. Okay. In uh, Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and perhaps there might be one here in Georgia. Okay. And those are the two that I know of. Yeah. And and I'll say this to yeah. you guys too. One of the things that people need to start looking at. And understand that when 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 the, the 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 devils, when they say we are legion and they speak with one voice, you're talking about a hive mentality. With a lot of these entities, they have a hive mentality. They are not really. Uh, some of them are like a loose confederation, but when you're talking about the rebellious angels or the fallen angels, and there is a difference. Um, either one, you're, though they they do speak with one voice. That's one thing that people don't understand. There are multiple Satan's, but they all come together as one. Now think of like the Trinity. You have God, the Father. You have God, the Holy Spirit, and then you have Jesus, the Son. Jesus is like a part of God, as if Barton, your son, would be a part of you. You know, and and so he sits right. at the right hand of the Father. But as a miracle that it is, they are all one. And it's, it's a miracle to us because we can't understand or comprehend it. Now, when I was in, 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 in one of my travels, I, would, I guess I could call it that, I got to see other aspects of myself, which together make up what, what I would call a soul matrix. Um, now, when you're inside that, that realm and you move in and out of your other selves, the only way I could describe it is like, oh, it makes sense. But then when you wake up and you become a part of this reality again, you're going like, okay, I don't get it. That doesn't make any sense. That's because you're moving out of that density and back into this density where everything is rigid and it's made of of, of material and form. It's a denser type of, you know, like it's not as, as fluid. So it's it's a lot easier to understand when you were out of your body. But these entities, they get it. They grasp it. They're like Legos, dude. You they're like magnetic Legos that all stick together, and they really are. There, they can be individuals, but they can also be one. Think of like the Transformers and how there were this. There were these group of Transformers. The most famous ones were the Constructicons that that actually would turn into one big, a giant creature, and they called him Devastator. Devastator was the original. He was the first one of the of the of the the changers. There was like six of them. They were construction vehicles, and they all turned into one big vehicle, which had its own mind or whatever, because they were all giving their their own energy and intelligence to this creature to make it one big creature. That's literally what it's like. I try to tell people it's hard to explain, but the bad guys, it's not just one bad guy. It's bunches of bad guys who work together like Legos to make a bad guy. And they don't all work together either. But the, they're the, a legion. Yeah, they're a right. legion. Yeah. And and that's what I tell people. Like, it's hard to fathom, but that's what it is. And they, they speak with one voice, but there are multiple, multiple, multiples. 
And that's why it's so hard to fight them and getting them on you is like getting grass burrs on you. Um, it's said in the Bible that they go into the wilderness and they bring seven more. I mean, they, they, they just, they just keep coming and there's so many of them and you can't, you can't stop them without God. Nobody can stand against them without God. You can't even begin to think you can fight the demonic realm without God. There are idiot people who go, well, I got this talisman that protects me from blah, blah, blah. And I could take it off your neck and throw it into your, into the lake and it would just sit at the bottom of the lake until the end of time. Well, it didn't protect you from me grabbing it off your neck and throwing it into the lake. So, I mean, you know, how is it going to protect you from a demon? It's not, you're putting your faith in, you know. Yeah. I had no idea the, how many principalities that, you know, I, that were surrounding me and, uh, and things I, I have come to the realization over the past couple of years that we're fighting a, a serious spiritual war right now. And, uh, and, and it boils down to a spiritual war warfare. And, uh, and we have to put on the full suit, the body armor of God every day. Uh, just to protect ourselves and to go fight this battle. And, you know, there are a few of us here that have decided to put the armor on and to go full throttle in, into battle. Um, and it's not easy. Okay. Um, and there's, right. and there's a spirit that jumps from person to person and critter to critter, let's say, you know, um, and including these cryptids that we're dealing with um, that, are, exactly. that are here to stop to stop us and to stop um, and to cause destruction all over this planet. And uh, so the seeds of know, deception, oh, yeah. that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's so, it's so telling to hear all these people say that, well, the only thing that saved me is when I invoked the name of Jesus. Right. Yeah. So oh, yeah. do that. These things stop and stop what they're doing and, and go away. So that's a real telling clue. If you have a mind to, think of that or near to listen to that clue and you know how many times we've heard that you know over and over again and i i've done it myself i know that it works and that's why i'm sitting out here you know next to these woods right here in my driveway uh without any fear at all you know and i me and my wife we went down to the lbl alleged kill site two or three different times and camped out there and grilled steaks and fried bacon and walk those trails two or three o'clock in the morning, you know, and nothing ever happened. So I do think that those spiritually protected uh, can do these things. But if you're not, then I think you end up being probably on a, a missing 411 yeah. or something like that. I want to say something about that to you, Barton. One one of the things that people have asked me over the years, they said when I first was on DER and I went on there and I talked about my encounter, they were like, I was, I was afraid. I didn't want to go in the woods. I wouldn't go do things, certain things. And now I've, I've changed. I'm not a 360. I mean, I haven't done a complete about face, whatever you want to call it, a 180. Um, but I, I am more open to going out and doing things and I don't live in fear like I once did because I started to realize I woke up to the realization and I've come to the conclusion that this was not a physical creature. It was mimicking physicality, but it was not truly physical. And so I don't have the fear of these creatures anymore like I once did. I once was in total fear of these things like, oh, man, I'm going to run into it one day. But once I started realizing that I was actually kind of being stalked by it 
and I've seen it in my mind's eye, and it's been around me in a few different occasions in my life. Not not a whole bunch, but it's it's come by and said hello, but not in in in, in any kind of telepathic sense. I just know that it's there, and it's not a physical creature, you know. Um, and I think that it just it's just kind of around at times. And I've even had like a weird howling that was on my show one time when Steve Stockton was on my uh, show. I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. There was a howling on there. And I can't tell you exactly what episode that was. Um, I think it was, it was weird. Like 69 or 66, something like that. But there was, a, it was weird. Yeah. And, and so whenever, you know, the, the, these, these creatures are around, I don't feel as, as fearful as I once did because I know the true nature of these things now in a way that I didn't before thinking, oh, it's a physical creature, you know, it can come out and do this and do that. You you lose the fear if you're if you're a God fearing person and you know that you're protected. And and even like you said, Jessica, right. you said you don't fear death. Well that's that's the same with me. I mean, I know that when I die, God has plans for me. You know, God and whatever the will of God be, that's what it's gonna be. And I'm not gonna live my life in fear of one of these monsters because they do exist and they are out there. Now they are also taking these things, you know, these these Nephilim blooded things, and 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 weaponizing them. And and I was going to ask you about that, Jessica. What is your opinion on that? Because you had kind of touched on that a little bit before the show. But what what do you what do you think about that? Yeah, you mean using them as weapons? Yeah, and uh, and making them. Well, it's not even my opinion on it. It's what I've remote viewed. Are the data suggest? That uh, a lot of these cryptids, if you want to call them that, or chimeras, are being created down in facilities. And I'm not just going to say underground facilities. They're, they're in facilities all over the world. Um, and so, yeah, they're, they are being made. Now, here's something really interesting. I remote viewed the giant of Kandahar. Okay, well, okay, what's very interesting about there's a lot of interesting things about that. However, yeah. okay, so the the story but is, you know, the, yeah, okay, so there was a, a a troop that was that went into the mountains of Afghanistan, and uh, and they were uh, army soldiers. They were they went. They were never. They were not heard from. They didn't hit their checkpoint. Their checkpoint and radio back to base camp. Okay, let's just say, <laughs> and so another team was sent in to go find them and to find out what happened. And they found radio equipment, broken equipment, uh, clothing, and things like that. I don't know if I want to say body parts, but it was there was some carnage, right? And uh, and as they were finding all of this up in the mountain, uh, a giant ran out of a cave, okay, and started attacking them. And uh, and the soldiers, from what I understand, the soldiers had been taught to shoot above the head. Okay, and they they it's almost like they I hate to say this, but they were they knew what they were going for. Okay. Um, I didn't know that at the time when I remote viewed it. Okay, this the giant actually uh impaled one of the soldiers with a spear and uh and killed them. And and the other soldiers were so I want I wanted to say shocked, but when I got done with all the data from remote viewing that, they weren't so shocked because I believe, according to the data, the first troop actually went in there to kill a giant. They went there looking for a specimen. Okay, they they didn't just happen upon these giants. 
and uh, and the second team came in, they were there to secure a specimen. Um, and now, what does that tell you? If you know anything about the Nephilim, or I don't know how to pronounce that, <laughs> the Nephilim is how, yes, they um, apparently, so my dad was coming up with a whole bunch of like New World Order information. And uh, uh, what is that? Um, what is that movie about the off-planet civilization? Um, oh, I can't think of it right now. But anyways, it was, oh, you know, I've got my folder right here. Hold on one second. I can tell you, I have, here it is, Giant of Kandahar. Let me open up my folder real quick, because I, I did a whole bunch of, um, of remote viewing on this. I did several targets. Elysium. Elysium. Okay. Oh, yeah. I uh, had a whole bunch of. New World Order information on that was there, with Jodie okay? Foster, and, I believe. Uh, it, it probably was. Well, she was in contact. I'm assuming she was in Elysium as well. But uh, but it was a whole bunch of like New World Order stuff. Um, and now what what that was telling us? I actually did a show with Jason McLean, uh, who's part of Texas Front Porch, who's a biblical scholar, and he helped me kind of bring all this data together that I had. And he was like, well, it's not surprising that they that all this information about the New World Order came out in the Elysium because uh, the elites are – were you know, and, and they were trying to maybe go get a specimen because they're trying to replicate something. They're trying to take the DNA of these giants to create something bigger, like the, the Antichrist, okay? Um, now, I, I did pick up that they did go there. To, to go get a specimen, and that was what their mission was to begin with. Um, that's something that's not known. That's not something that's talked about. I mean, this is actually something that's denied, okay? Uh, now, however, I had many, many, many people, like I had several people contact me um, after and before I did the show telling me uh, that they could confirm that this actually did happen, and they were in the military. Um. So it's really interesting having people contact me who I don't know, who are like, well, I, you know, my son was actually a part of that mission, you know, um, and things like that. Uh, but yeah, they, but what really was interesting was that the, the military had a helicopter waiting with a gigantic net to extract a body of a giant. Okay. Why would they have had that sitting around waiting for this to happen? Uh, when those soldiers did kill that giant, they ended up, they did kill it. They shot it a lot. Okay. They like did an overkill where they actually ended up killing this giant. And I can tell you also from my data, that was not the only giant there. There were multiple giants that lived down in that, in that mountain. Uh, I believe it was part of a, like an opening to inner earth. And, uh, and there were, there were more than one giant. There was more than one giant for sure. So you do uh, think these things are underground dwellers, right? They live underground. Yes. yes. So Josh and I have been talking about this for a year or two now, and we believe that there's uh, an inner earth too. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily a completely hollow earth or whatever, but there's there's things down there that live below our feet that would probably make us die of fright if we could if the ground was suddenly to turn invisible and we mm -hmm. could see all these things below us. So yeah, that's something we've been discussing for a long time. Okay, folks, so that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, tune in to the next episode where I return with my guests and with Barton Nunley. And thank you for listening to PRT. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Good night. Mm -hmm.